Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to Recall the Midwife. Today we have watched Call the Midwife Series 4, Episode 4, and are now discussing it. So, you know, listen along. I'm Alex. I'm Becky. I'm Jen. Uh, A reminder that this week's episode deals with sex work and substance abuse. So if those are topics that you would prefer to skip this time, we understand and hope you join us for the next one. In this week's episode, Sister Winifred attends to Bridget Cole, a prostitute. Following a routine blood test, Dr. Turner must inform Bridget that she's suffering from syphilis. This leads Sister Winifred on a one-woman campaign to educate the prostitutes of Poplar regarding the use of contraception to prevent the spread of disease. We also meet Susan and Frank Robbins, who are expecting a long-awaited first baby. Frank's father and two brothers were killed in the war, and Frank is desperate for a son to carry on the family business. On the busiest night for the midwives and nuns since 1957 they deliver 10 babies including a baby girl for the robins who is at first rejected by frank sheila and sister monica jane must also step in to help after an argument with tom following a disastrous meeting with the bishop trixie's drinking comes to a head and she passes out in her room barbara tries to cover up for her but sister julianne learns the truth and as trixie starts to face up to her drinking problem she calls off her engagement to tom <sighs> yep big sigh although can i just say it's a lot nicer than, even though a lot happened in that was awful it was still a lot nicer than last week's bleak <laughs> bleak <laughs> episode so you know last week was tough but bex where where are you taking us where's our journey beginning so should we start with um bridget cole the prostitute yes sex worker i think we decided we're gonna say right because i said prostitute a lot when we were talking about mary remember and you were always correcting me al i did think that but i also thought in the episode they do say the word prostitute a lot so that's why i thought on the synopsis it was all about prostitute but yes yes, bridget the sex worker um also she was very late to have a first appointment with the with the clinic just because you're uh, you're a sex worker does not mean you don't have time to go to the clinic during the day if anything it means you've got more time during the day to go to the clinic more of a nighttime can job. I just can I just say as well? She worked in a lovely, supportive brothel. She did. She did. Now it's funny to say that I was taught. I was thinking, you know, the um, book that we read, the Call the Midwife book. Yes, yeah, yes. like this was the brothel they were talking about with uh, with Mary because they had an old lady there and everything. And um, it was quite supportive of each of these girls. Obviously, they were awful to Mary at first, but I do think maybe that was part of the the book. That they brought to the TV series a little bit, although this yeah. brothel was definitely way like nicer. Like this brothel almost seemed like a club where you would like go and have you like where you could also potentially have sex. Because remember when this is jumping ahead a little bit, but remember when sister? <laughs> I did not expect that that ended to that sentence. <laughs> that's not that's not what I mean when I say that. That's not what I mean. But like the, sister Winifred and Doctor Turner. Oh no, sister Winifred and um. Phyllis go to the birth when um when Miss Miss Cole is having her baby and she's giving birth on like a Friday or Saturday night when it's all jam-packed in there and they have like a bar going and music and everything and it's like full of like sailors and dock workers and like all this kind of stuff like that and they have to like push through people like you're in a nightclub almost to get to the back room where her where her room is you know where she's giving birth and everything 
So it doesn't, it didn't have quite the same seediness as like, sometimes when you see a brothel on TV or in a movie or whatever, where you walk in and it's just a parlor and then, you know, it's like, oh, and then you like, go, you know what I mean? It, it had a little bit more. I don't know, I think it's pretty seedy that so many people are in there doing it, like going in there for. Oh, I'm, yeah, no, it doesn't seem like it's a wholesome environment. I'm not making that case at all. It just seems like if you. <laughs> Like I don't know. I don't. I don't know what point I'm trying to make. Anyways, let's just move on, okay? <laughs> They've got retired sex workers because we meet Dora, who's got advanced syphilis. Yeah. Um, who's walking around with awful lesions? Well, is that oh, those lesions? No. Those lesions are part of the syphilis. Is that right? I didn't yeah. really quite. Oh, yeah. Oh God. Look, I'm not a world leader on expert on uh, on syphilis or anything, <laughs> but yeah, I do know that that is a is a symptom. Also, can we just talk about a peroxide douche, everyone? <laughs> oh, that sounded really painful. I uh, know. Now I do. I don't think any of these topics are funny. I think it's none episode. of us. No, none of us think this is funny. I think this is all a lot of nervous laughter. Like listeners, just please know, like this is like we all feel very like nervous about discussing this. Um, also, yeah, peroxide douche. It's it, so I, I I've googled it because I was like, surely that cannot be. It's it's got to be like a, like a one to twenty solution or something. I mean, like you can't it be is, putting it hydrogen is, peroxide. Three percent. Three percent concentrate. Three percent concentration. Oh, okay. This it's still used because it can help to treat bacterial vaginosis. Oof. So Oof. you know, Oof. not syphilis though, or pregnancy. No. Was this the episode with gastroenteritis? No, that was last week. Okay, that that's 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 a different one. Okay, sorry, I'm just getting some of these diseases mixed up in my brain a little bit. I've been I watching a lot of other. Gastroenteritis and syphilis are quite different. <laughs> No, 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 I didn't mean, I know they are very different. But I, I have experienced like... one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and the listeners will let you wonder which one. <laughs> well, I was going to say, for like OG listeners who have been with us from the beginning, like call back to Becky's coworker. Remember we told the syphilis yeah. story like very yeah. early on on this podcast. So Bristol's just, got an epidemic. Know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Still alive and so, well. Um, for context, Bridget is a sex worker. How old do you think she is? She's not very old, is she? Oh, young, 20s. 20s? Yeah, because they were talking... So she got pregnant and she came very late to the appointment. So she was about seven, eight months, wasn't she? Yeah, because um, she's, she's eight been... months when she gives birth. Yeah, and she'd never been to clinic before. And that's why I was saying she's she's a sex worker, so she mostly works at night. So during the day at clinic, she's just being lazy not going to... Uh... <laughs> well, she clinic. says when she comes to clinic that like she makes a, a big deal of saying that she's a miss. And Sister Winifred kind of says to her, let's leave any talk of wickedness at the door, which is last week, Sister Winifred was really quite judgy. So she's obviously had a change of heart. She has redeemed herself this week, I will say that. Yeah. Um, so Bridget, yeah. the Bridget storyline obviously showed you her background, where she lived. She was living with Dora, and uh, who was suffering with syphilis a lot, and other prostitutes, sex workers, uh, in their building that Jen thinks looks like it's loads of fun. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to go. I'm sign me up. I'm but there. Also, Bridget found out she was suffering from. Was it syphilis she was suffering from? Yeah, she yeah, had it but too. She, yeah, she was. It was still at the treatable stage. Yeah, yeah. But so Bridget also said that she tried to get rid of the baby originally, mm. um, and that then it hadn't hadn't got rid of it, and she thought, well, I just thought then that this just shows that this baby's supposed to be here for me, and I'm going to give it the love I never had, which I thought was such a oh such a sad line. Yeah, um, yeah, which, yeah. Well, let's be honest, that could be anyone in Poplar at the moment. They're all, it's all sad storylines. Ooh. Um, but this also, this storyline was great because it showed um, the community that was there as well. She did talk about what a great community it was. But mm -hmm. also, it was a gateway for Sister Winifred to start uh, promoting safe sex um, around each brothel in Poplar. Mm -hmm. I did love when um, Sister Winifred asked... Um, Officer notes how many prostitutes are there in Poplar, and he was like, oh, six or seven hundred. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was shocked. Was... I thought she was going to say like one hundred and fifty. Oh yeah, I mean that that seemed high for me, but then when I thought about it, I was like, well, it kind of makes sense because you know London's so densely po populated, and you have to think like popular Poplar, even though it's a neighborhood, it's probably still also like really densely populated. I mean, the line that I thought was really funny in that interaction was she was um like she comes down there 
right before and he says something about a watch pot never boils and she's like what like she'd never heard that before and I, which I, I just again I'm like sometimes you're so daffy um sister Winifred but then she also says something like oh like do you do you know any prostitutes or whatever and he's like uh or like or she says <laughs> something about like do you know like this prostitute house or whatever and he's like and he just has a very like he, like it's like you know Peter hasn't done anything but at the same time he has that look of guilt on his face like uh, uh, well, I think it was more the fact that he was speaking to a nun about prostitutes. I think he was just right, absolutely right. like, what, what? And it just yeah. came out of nowhere. Like, how many prostitutes are there in pop plays? Uh. <laughs> they all seem well, to work on Cable Street, though. How big is Cable Street if it's housing six or seven hundred prostitutes, sex workers? Oh, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, pretty, <laughs> well, there's quite a line big. of room if you remember from the Mary storyline. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, plus, I mean, like, like they even make a point when they do that, um, like, sexual health program that, like, Sister Winifred's like, oh, well, you know, Officer Nooks is going to take me around, like, all the little alleyways and everything where they kind of, you know, because so I think there's, I think there's women doing that work, even, like, not in a brothel setting, but, like, in a, um, just, you know, like, kind of, like, on the street, basically, as well. So, I mean, I think there, it's not like every prostitute has a... Can I just say, I mean? um, Cable Street is 1.931 kilometers long. Oh, so it is quite long. Uh, I don't know how long that is. I can't do that conversion in my head, but yes, I do. You might two and a bit miles. No, it's no. I'm rubbish at maths. <laughs> it's like Wait, one and a quarter mile. One. Oh, is it the yeah, other way around? One... Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry, it is. It's the other way around. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. Okay, so that's pretty long, honestly. That's like pretty long, but um. Oh well, so since we're since we're kind of talking about that program, so Sister Winifred, I love the effort. I love her. I love her care and initiative and everything. But she goes to Sheila after she's found out that um, Bridget is has syphilis and she's being treated in the maternity ward, and she says to Sheila, like, "This is so terrible. Like, you know, she knows, you know, better. Like, how did how did she not like protect herself against getting this?" And Sheila is like, "Well, yeah, I know. Like, they all know like what they have to do to keep from you know having these sexually transmitted diseases." But the, they can't get their customers to wear, oh, I, I really don't like the word sheath, but anyway, condom, basically. <laughs> and <laughs> anyways, and so, um, again, that's just me being so childish. But like, so um, Winifred is like, no, but they have to. And she was like, I know, but they really don't like it. And like, you know, they all, so, so she's like, so the women want them to wear that, but they, but they refuse. So then what are you going to do? And then Winifred's like, yes, you're right. Okay. I understand. And then like literally her plan again, love the effort, but then her plan is to put back the responsibility onto the women to educate them about sexual health, to give them, you know, to make them have, yeah, you know, have the sheaths. Her plan is obviously, because obviously the quote was amazing. Using the sheath is like going for a paddle with your socks on. That's what the men are saying. <laughs> oh, I know. And I sis, didn't want to yeah, say Sister it. Winifred's like, face. Oh. Sister Winifred's face looked so confused. It was amazing. It was lols. But the <laughs> I think the whole plan is basically that, because obviously they can go to one prostitute, sex worker, and they will make them use a sheath, but if they go to another, they won't. If she gets around to every single one of them and makes them all make them wear a sheath, I think that's the point that she's trying to do, trying to educate them all so that everyone, so they don't have an option of going to someone who won't. I think they need to I unionise. <laughs> Yes, right, I, I love that idea. The, the other thing, the other thing that just, just like again, this is not a criticism of Sister Winifred, but the thing that really irritated me is like again, it's it's the women's responsibility. It's like because the thing is, Winifred says like, oh well, but they're just as, the men are just as much risk of these you know diseases as the women. And she was like, yes, I know, and here's the numbers, and she gives some like really staggering, horrible statistics about the spread of venereal disease like in amongst the population like including the men and she's like oh she's like i'd really she's like and sheila says oh i'd love it if i could hand out this flyer to every single man who's like walking on his way to like go visit you know one of those ladies and so the men are just at risk but yet it's the women's problem to do well not the women's problem but again it just it's like why yeah, is there not an effort yeah. being made to have these men be the one that you know should know better and do better in that situation i just i just not, don't like they're how not going to the they know they're not going to. I know, well, we, but... We said sorry. earlier about um, when we were talking about what trigger warnings we would put on and, and we discussed misogyny, but I think Jen yeah. made the point that we would put that as a trigger warning every week. Every week, every <laughs> week. I was, like, I was like, oh, like r- rampant, toxic, like, you know, sexism. Like, we, well, we could never not leave it off. Well, of speaking about that, the, the point where... so. Bridget's at the maternity home getting this treatment and a friend comes in and she's like, you've got to come now. 
Dora needs you right now. It's all awful. She's, you know, she's not herself. She's asking for you. It's really awful. Basically, we mm-hmm. can't be bothered looking after her. Um, so she gets her to come out of maternity home early, which she shouldn't do. Anyway, she mm. goes back to where she lives, and Dora's there dancing because obviously she's she's gone mad now from the uh, from the syphilis. Um, mm. And uh, the men, oh, it was just so degrading and awful the way they were laughing at her and just. Oh, it was horrible. I know it's horrible anyway, the fact that these men are using... Oh, it's just horrible. It's the whole situation yeah. just dark. Yeah. Although not as dark as last week's it. episode. Um, But <sighs> yeah, so she came home, looked after her, but then her waters broke. Um, And then she had a daughter who turned out healthy in the end, but they had to send her to hospital as well because obviously there was complications from the daughter from her having syphilis as well. Well, also, I mean, because it was a theme in the other storyline about a family business. Did you hear Sister Winifred's line about, oh, you have a daughter. Oh, is she going to, like, follow in the family business? And, you know, Bridget was like, you know, can you please lay off? Which, but at the same time, I don't know. I was really, I was really struggling this week. I, I, in, in the way of, like, my, I felt, I felt judgmental of Bridget. Um, And I, and I know that's my, my issue, but I, I didn't like the idea of that child being raised in that brothel. You know, but of all the brothels. <laughs> of all the brothels and all the world, <laughs> you have to walk into this one. <laughs> no, but just it's, it's, it is a, a more supportive environment than Yeah, we look fun, Jen. You were just saying how good luck was. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I don't know what it, I was, was worried so... about. I don't know what I was worried about. I just thought it was so clever though having Dora because that was that was basically Bridget's future if she, if she'd have gone untreated. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's very true. That's yeah. true. That's true. Who else we learned about this episode that was really clever? Um, that they were basically based around Barbara's three girls that she delivered. Yeah. Oh, I really like, yeah. That. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Well, there was another um, scene which I really like because you see Sister Winifred doing the home visit um, to go to the brothel um, and Bridget's got all the clothes laid out on the bed and she's like fully prepared for her baby. But then in the same moment, you've got Barbara who's doing the home visit for Susan Robbins and she's got all of her knitted baby clothes laid. So, like, it was just... I know it's, like, completely different situations. Mm. But, actually, they're both prepared for it in exactly the same way. I just thought that was quite a nice... Yeah, very good. It was a nice comparison. It was good. It was. It's. I think this is the cleverness of this show. I think that's another reason why we like it so much, because they do things like this to, to make you think, oh, actually, they are the same, but they're not the same. Like, I just think it's very clever writing. Well, and, I, and I'll just own it for myself. It's those kind of juxtapositions that really make me check my judgment you know make me check my um you know predisposition to kind of say oh this is right or this is wrong or this is good or this is bad and yeah that is that is a really helpful reminder like we really need to be um you know like aware of that sometimes because it's it, it can feel very easy to be judgmental and you know this show teaches you over and over and over again like you better check that at the door and like start thinking about things in a different way in a much more compassionate way so good good on them Speaking of judgmental, um, shall we go on to Frank Robbins? Yeah. Now, I have judgment towards Frank because Same. he's mm-hmm. desperate for a boy to carry on the family business. But then part of me was just felt sympathy towards him because he's lost his father and two brothers. Like, he just feels the weight of responsibility that he needs to carry on the family name. Mm-hmm. I've got a note mm-hmm. here. Frank Robbins, the big misogynist. <laughs> so i did feel sad for him because they had that scene didn't they so so he was owned robbins and sons rope makers his dad died in the war his brothers both died in the war so it was on to him but Mm -hmm. he made a big success of the business it was all doing great it was the best summer best summer we've ever had so Mm. it was all great his wife's heavy pregnant but they've been trying for a long time and she's a bit older like she's Mm -hmm. probably younger than us let's be honest kids oh um, (laughs) in the show she's one of the older moms and she's like, you know, we've tried so hard for so long. And what if this, you know, what if this isn't a son? And he keeps saying, I need a son. Anyway, there's a scene where he takes a rope reef, which I thought was really nice. I thought it was really well made. Yeah. It was really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Well done to uh, call the midwife uh, team there. The prop really department nice. there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he went to where uh, it was his father's birthday. So he took this reef made out of rope. 
um, which I think could catch on. Like, yeah, let's trademark. Um, mm-hmm. But he put it to uh, to to as a tribute to him, and Barbara just happened to run into him, and it was that was when he opened up about this grief, about the fact that he'd lost, you know, two brothers and a, and a father, which is absolutely horrific. And I mm-hmm. kind of started warming to him there, thinking, oh, that's awful. That's that's really awful. But then he was really aggressive to Barbara when she was like, it could, it could be a daughter, like quite nicely. And he's like, I need a son. And I just thought, eh, no, you've, lost my, you've lost my sympathy there, Frank Robbins. Well, uh, like to piggyback on what you just said, yes, he was inc- he was he was too aggressive. I mean, I, I think we all feel the same. I think we all feel very like understanding of his mindset, though we do not agree with it or think that it is the way that he should go forward. Um, I mean, my my feeling was as soon as I heard that part of the story, I just thought, wow, like grief will make you do a lot of like really really weird things and. Yeah, that's true. And and it's just it to me it was a very much like a cha- like channeling channeling that emotion into something that you think makes sense and it it absolutely does not make sense but you you know like you just you just and then you like hold on to that you know what I mean because like like Dr. Turner says to him later like you made this promise to yourself like on their behalf this is something you've created you've manufactured this this wasn't anything anybody made you do or put on you like you have you were the one who did this the thing that really got me was not just that he was ex- aggressive to Barger, like, like that I thought was, okay, well, that's whatever. But the fact that his wife on yeah. literally multiple occasions said, I think he's going to leave me for someone younger who can give him multiple kids and multiple boys. Well, and I feel like he's, I'm going to come home one day. He, yeah, she, she said, she's like, I'm afraid I'm going to come home one day and he's going to have like packed my bag and is going to send me and our child away because he doesn't want to deal with us anymore. I mean, that was like a real fear she was voicing over and over again. And I thought, forget him yelling at Barbara. Like when you legitimately think your marriage is not going to survive because you didn't, I mean, that was like something out of the, Hang on, you know, let's like not 1600- say forget yelling at Barbara because that is a killable offense. She's our face. Oh, we love Barbara. We love Barbara, but I'm just saying, like, of, of, I mean, in terms of like who his wife is to him versus who Barbara is to him, like, it, he's a bit short with the midwife. Like, that's one thing. But like, when he's literally making his wife, and actually, I just thought about this. So, remember the scene in earlier in the episode when they're opening the clinic and it's so 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 busy, and Sister Monica Joan is making um the story, like telling all the kids the story of Henry VIII and how yeah. he like cut off the wives' yeah. heads and everything, like. I know it's not a direct through line or whatever, but like, that's what, that's what Fred Robbins was doing was like saying like, listen, I'm not going to let you live if you don't give me the baby I want. And then just like, you know, which one was the one? Anne Boleyn, like she didn't have a son and that's what he wanted and she didn't make it. I'm glad the I'm glad the way you said who it was because I am rubbish. That's our own history there. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) But also the fact that um, Susan Robbins was worried that he was going to pack her case so that she could leave. Not yes. if, if he wasn't going to leave. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got the business. He's got the business. He works right next door. He, that's he's not going to up and down. Sign the door. Like... Doesn't say Susan and daughter. It says Robins and Sons. <laughs> I could have uh, understood it if he'd struggled with it, but then the baby once the baby was born and it was a girl, he would have struggled with it. But he absolutely rejected that baby. He wouldn't even look at her. Also, though, just a big shout out to Barbara for yelling at him about oh, it when they take the mother off to, go to the hospital. Barbara was amazing. How can you mm-hmm. turn your back on your own daughter? Do you know really annoyed me there? Right? I've got two things that really annoyed me about this. Sure. Yeah, she was tired and emotional. You know, I'm there right now. But the fact that Dr. Turner is like, oh, don't, you know, calm yourself down kind of thing. Don't be... And I just thought, I Dr. Turner. And then the thing that really annoyed me about this whole storyline was, that Dr. Turner went to speak to him. So so Barbara had been trying to speak to him. Susan had been trying to speak to him, but nothing. His own wife that he's married. Yeah, it mm-hmm. took a man. It took a man to go and speak to him. And yes, he had some, he said about grief, because obviously his wife had died and he had a son and he nearly died and all this. But it just really annoyed me that the one to turn it around was a man. Okay, I agree with you. I agree with you. But I'm just going to say this. I actually saw it in a flip side kind of a way because Ooh. I feel like the th- women always get the burden of doing emotional labor in this type of way of like always having to educate and like guide and lead and like convince a man without even realizing he's being convinced that like this is the right thing to do blah 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 like all those scenarios and I actually was happy when Dr. Turner went to him and was like no I like this is like as a man I need to like 
tell you this and like help you get there like to me him taking on the labor of convincing this man how to go forward in the right way I was actually glad about that because I was like this is now at least not another woman's job to try and get this guy to realize the error of his ways like I think men need to be doing more of this kind of like intergender discussions about how to like be really good guys and like not just leave it all to women to have to do that kind of work with I them. agree but on the same t- side other women had tried and he hadn't listened that's what annoyed me it is annoying it is annoying but I will I will just say this and I mean I'm not usually one to, to defend in this case but like sometimes hearing it from from like there are things that women have told me that I take totally different than if a man had told me the exact same thing and sometimes you do just kind of need to hear something from the person that you identify with in a really strong way and because Dr. Turner was somebody he could really identify with I think that might have been why it landed in a bit of a different place for him Uh, listen I agree I honestly in in a perfect world with total equality I think a woman's word would be as impactful and powerful as a man's but I also well, anyway, he did have a girl. He wouldn't look at it. But yeah. then, after his talk with Dr. Turner, he was like, oh, go on then. So he took the baby around the factory. And I'm not going to lie. I was really angry, but I did cry like a baby when he walked around the factory. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was going completely. I, I absolutely lost it. I absolutely lost it. I mean, that was when he was like, oh, and there's this, and there's this. And then and then the, and then the wife walks in and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Just... <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it was so, it was so freaking sweet. And, and just, oh, I, yeah, I know. I know. I really, I didn't like him. And then I, and then he totally won me over with that. Hmm. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Sorry. And also, am I, am I wrong about this? I think that the woman who played Mrs. Robbins is also a really big British actress. And the thing I put her in my head in was I think she was the sister of Hugh Grant in Notting Hill. No, she is wasn't. That... Are you sure? <laughs> I'm 100%. But who was that lady then? She's dead in real life now. No. She is. Wait a minute. But who is that? I... I, but, I'm sure, but I'm sure I've seen that actress somewhere though before. You will have seen her. What has she been in, you guys? I don't know. I've only seen her in Call the Midwife. No. No, I have seen her in things. No, she's been in lots of stuff. Emma Chambers. Honey. Oh, maybe it is a different person. It's not her. God, she her does look a lot. Claudie Blake. Claudie Blackley. Or Blakely. Well, what Blakely. what else has she what else has she been in? Oh, I don't know. Hang on, hang on. Give me a minute. I'll tell you what though, she looks a lot like her though. I, I don't think she did. She was in Pride and Prejudice. Uh, that's oh, 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 She was Caroline. She, no, 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 no. Not Caroline. She was the other friend, the one that marries, um... Oh, it marries... begins with a C. You're right. Oh, 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 God, what's the name? Not Caroline, um... Do you have the second Jane. lesson? No, no not Jane. With a C. No, 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 <laughs> she, no, she's not one of the sisters. She's, she's Elizabeth's best friend that marries Mr. The Vicar that's, like, really horrible. Um... Is it Catherine? No. It does begin with a C. So it's not Caroline. It's not Charlotte. Me. Charlotte! Yes. Oh, there we go. There we go. That's okay. That's how I know her. That's how I know. God, they look a lot alike, but okay. That makes Going more through, sense. I, I used, I've watched Lark Rice to Candleford. She was in that. Oh, she was, she's a brunette. I've not seen anything else. Though. I've never seen anything else she's been in. I've never seen Pride and Prejudice. I've seen lots oh, of, God. she's in Midsummer Murders. Oh yes, okay. I've seen *Midsummer Murders*. Yeah, yeah. You know what? You know what's really irritating though. I absolutely will come as a surprise to no one. I love Jane Austen stuff. I've watched all of it. I've watched like every single Jane Austen thing there is. I've seen all the *Pride and Prejudices*. I love that version of *Pride and Prejudice*, but I, I can't. I, Kira Knightley, for whatever reason, is so flipping annoying in it that I just have a hard time. And I, and I, I want to love it so. If you're listening. <laughs> That is not something this podcast officially goes with. It's just Jen's personal opinion. I don't, I don't dislike Kara Knightley and a lot of other things, but something about like the way that like her hair and her bangs and like her teeth and everything. I don't know. It's just like, and I love Matthew McFadden. Like he's so great. I just, I had such a big crush on him in that movie, but like, I don't, I don't think I don't think with Pride and Prejudice you can beat the original Mr. Darcy Colin Firth. Oof, I mean, oofa stufa. No, he's like Can I just point out it's called the Midwife podcast? Sorry. 
Pride and Prejudice <laughs> podcast. So should we get back to the storyline? <laughs> we should. I did. Sorry, I had to. I had to just have that little quick diversion because sometimes we do call out like actors on the show that are you know, only one episode for like seeing them and other things. But anyways, okay, yeah. Right, sorry. Shall we do you. the Trixie storyline now? Trixie and Tom, but mostly Trixie. Yeah. Trixie yeah. at the start of this episode is riding high. She's gonna meet the bishop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> But by the end, poor Trixie. I mean, this has been building for a long time with Trixie. Hasn't well, it? the first yeah. thing that, that you see on this episode with Trixie is she's late, isn't she? Yeah, she is late. And uh, I'll tell you what, Nurse Crane. Mm-hmm. She gives Wait, but it. she's... Like, when you say late, you mean punctuality late. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes, yeah. yes. Oh, yes. Jen, stop trying to make something out I Well, sometimes Serena seems... I'm like... Because the thing is, what I don't understand about that was she was, like, so obviously late for clinic, and then she's just strolling along with Tom like she's got all the time in the world. I'm like, honey bun, I'm like, you are so... You are, like, an hour late for your job. Like, why are you not racing? Well, Nurse like, Crane's there it? being like, sometimes I think you've got more frills in your brain than you do when you're half up. Nurse Crane? Huh? She, she was snapping at everybody Gosh, that morning. True. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's all basically the drinking's ramping up in this episode, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and she talks about the fact so they have drinks again in the room constantly, um, and then Barbara comes in absolutely ready to collapse. That's what I feel like right now, ladies. Um, and she <laughs> says, um, "You've forgotten, haven't you? We're going to the Hand and Shears to have a little brightener." And Barbara looks like the last thing she wants to do is to go to the hand and shears. And she doesn't even drink. She was like, I'll buy you a bit of lemon. Barbara looked like she just literally couldn't even be bothered getting dressed. But she did it because she's Barbara and we love her. Um, but there's a scene in that. So they're talking about the fact that she's got to be, meet the bishop. And uh, Barbara's really good for giving her advice on it because her dad is a canon. That's what mm. we found out. It's a canon because we had a discussion about that. Uh, but she was saying, oh, don't tell him how much you like a drink. We have jokes about Trixie's bar. And Trixie was all like, oh, like food for thought. But then she went to the pub, so obviously it wasn't that much thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, so she goes to meet the bishop because Tom says that um, the bishop wants to speak to him because he really likes his work. And I thought, well, you would only cure it. What will he have known about your work? <laughs> Well, what has he done though? What has he actually done that was like so special? He's, he's organized some fates. Took some cubs out to play cricket. cricket. Well, oh, not wait, to play, wait, to watch. wait, wait, wait. So there was a scene that, that I that for whatever reason it wasn't in the episodes that that we we've been rewatching with them. But like there was a scene where Trixie and Tom were dating, and they had another date planned that like went awry. But he she walked into his vicarage and he was making soup. And she was like, wait a minute, I thought we were going to go have dinner. And he's like, oh, no, but he's like, I'm trying to give them like a hot, like, I, he's like, yeah, I have to, um, I'm hosting a bunch of, you know, homeless gentlemen or, or so- something like that. And he's like, yeah, I want them to have at least one hot meal a day. Like, it's not very good, but like, it's just something, you know, I want them to have something. And I, and I, and it, I haven't seen it come up in these episodes, but do you guys remember the scene that I'm talking about? Yes. No. Okay. Yeah. I so do. you know what I'm talking about? I and have I a dreadful the- memory. You do have well, a dreadful Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, that, like, it really irritated me when I first watched that scene, and I and I kept on waiting to, like, you know, like, crank about it again when we were on these episodes, because it, I was like, okay, sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to be coherent here. The effort and work it takes to feed, like, a group like that on a daily basis, like, the idea that Tom is just gonna, like, every single day just, like, put on a pot of soup and, like, deliver it and, like, you know, disperse it, I mean, just... I don't know. It just was so well, urgent. Jennifer. Was... Me and Rebecca have uh, actual first-hand experience of this because when we were <laughs> at university, we used to do it, didn't we, Vex? What? Oh, we did, didn't we? Yeah. What, we you ran a soup kitchen out of the house. Yeah, we ran a soup kitchen out of our house that we used to take with the soup. We used to, it used to be one that we used to do once every two weeks, so it used to be passed around the big massive pan. We did it with uh, our housemates. Uh, in the second year. Oh my God, I forgot about this. Yeah, we used to make sandwiches and we used to hand out soup. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. 
Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. So okay, it's like logistically a nightmare to do it every day. You couldn't. But Well, that's the thing. But you guys, you guys... I know we are. <laughs> So you're so good, Bex, you forgot how many good works you've yeah. actually done in this life. You There's know what I mean? so many things that I'm doing that that was forget just... all the good deeds she does, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, they're just, they're just too many to, like, even remember or think about on a regular basis. But, like, the thing is, like, the infrastructure wasn't, like, it, I mean, how much infrastructure went to supporting you guys to do that, okay? Exactly. Obviously, there's a lot. No, I don't remember yeah, this, it's, so I can't tell you. It's such a... <laughs> Bex is like I have no idea but like the thing is it's like that was what was irritating me about it I mean it was I get that I get that it was just a narrative device and like blah 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 or whatever but it just I just I don't know something about like when when an obvious reality just does not work even when you're when you're watching like a fictional story it just I'm like it really takes me out at times and I just was like Tom there is no way that you were pulling this off or doing this like just like give me a freaking break well, with you that. Say I mean, that Jen but this is 1950s there must have been about five homeless people then <laughs> <laughs> yeah 700 uh, prostitutes and five five homeless people and that's it that's all you had to worry about I mean the thing is I I know how hard it is like I do the cooking in my family and like if you're cooking for for even like six people, that is a ton of food every single day. I'm like, who's paying for it? Who's like managing? Anyway, I'm not going to complain. Well, no, that's anymore. why we. Used, that's why I'm saying I agree with you because we used yeah, to do it yeah. every two weeks. We yeah. we did it with a charity, and yeah. we got the the whole because uh, it was like a big urn that we used to put the mm-hmm. soup in, and mm-hmm. we used to pass it around. So we said, Bex has no recollection of this at all. So <laughs> like, like, what was it? it. Remember, yeah. remember being in the in the town centre with it? Yeah. We yeah. used to do it every two weeks. We signed up for yeah. whole year to do it. Yeah. No, it's really good that you guys did. I mean, the thing, the thing, the thing is, like, okay, there's a scene where so the bishop comes. Trixie makes a comment about living in Newcastle because the, the bishop basically says, like, oh, well, that's kind of part of what I wanted to talk to you about is like taking over a parish in Newcastle in like a really, really rough area up there. And Trixie's like, oh, I don't think that sounds good. And Tom is like, oh, and then they all have this like really like you know tough interaction for the rest of the visit. Well, then they have a big fight about it. That's kind of the big thing that comes up. It was, it was uncomfortable, though, because obviously it, it was the 50s and there were men, so she should have shut her mouth, apparently. And, like, obviously we're, <laughs> from the, we're from the generation where we wouldn't want to do that, but also there's no opinion, but they were really rude to Trixie. They were, yeah. At the same time, Tom's like, if you're going to be a curate's wife, you've got to suck it up and shut up, basically. <gasps> Well, what what really frustrated me about this interaction was like, okay, so they have this fight and she's like, oh, what, you expected I, did, I wasn't going to say anything? And he's like, well, yeah, I actually did kind of expect that. I didn't really think I had to like tell you that or whatever. And like also, by, by the way, did you have like a bad attitude for the rest of the visit? Like after you- Yeah, like, we did say you sat with a face like a smacked ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, or, or what is it? Like sour lemon? I don't know. But anyways- so, They didn't say that- smacked ass. No, no, no. But then, but then she's like, oh, well, if you think that, then like, you know, I'm out of here, whatever. She like runs out of the, out of the vicarage and then he chases after and grabs me. He's like, Trixie, wait, wait, wait. And then he's like, well, did you ever think about like that? If you're like really up to this, like being a curate's wife and everything, she's like, well, no, I didn't. And, and I, to me, I thought like, I think what she means when she said, no, I didn't, is like, no, I never thought it would be a problem. Like, I just thought I'd be able to do it. But. No, I do do actually think she hasn't thought about their life I think she's thought about the excitement of the engagement the engagement yeah. party because she was so into the engagement party she's thought about the yeah. wedding and the presents yeah. and she's thought about all that but has she actually thought about the marriage and I don't think she had well the, this I is, also think sorry, she's ahead. selling herself short because she lives in a really impoverished area of London like she's she's living in amongst that now so really it's like going to another area yeah, but Which she was is... saying she wanted to raise their kids somewhere in the country more. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I totally understand that. But I think she it's just another version of what she, her reality now. So I think she could have totally, she would have been fine. Yeah, but actually got... what she really wanted was to marry someone with a title. Very rich and very good looking. Wink, 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 wink. Okay, so you guys are exactly right. The thing, the thing 
about it and and this is the way that her the way that she phrased it i thought meant many things at once which was actually so so clever of the of that line is that i think you guys are right i think she hadn't thought about it but she had kind of just mentally been like sure i'm fine with it and and that was that was really the thing that was so problematic about their the construction of their whole relationship anyway and tom obviously knew kind of what he was in for because he you know joined that line of work but trixie even though she is doing like all this really hard labor working in a really part of, tough part of town like really putting in you know all the hours and everything like that being being a minister's wife uh, you know whatever the various title is you pretty much can't do anything i mean that's a job in and of itself like once once anyone was going to marry tom they were going to kind of have to give up whatever their thing was and then just be his wife and then all of the stuff that would surround him would kind of subsume and sublimate that person as well and that's what we see later on no spoilers but like that will happen in the future for like who tom ends up with and I just don't think that either one, of, I mean, like, they never had a substantive conversation about it that we saw. Like, Trixie clearly just took it for granted that that was something she could do, which she absolutely could not. She, like, it wasn't even something she wanted to do. And Tom also, like, completely ignored the fact that, like, that was something he was signing a partner up for that he wasn't really having an honest conversation with. And when well, he says that to her, well, and that's the thing. And when he says it to her, like, oh, like, do you really think you're up for this? Like, are, Tom, are you really like you're kind of just hanging her out to dry, you know? Because he just assumes that like if the bishop says jump, he'll say how high, and that whoever's at his side is going to do the exact same. Well, and I just... also historically, if you're looking into their relationship, we're dissecting it a little bit here. Um, and yeah. the one, the one where they actually got engaged was the episode with Gary and Jaquetta and oh Laura right, and, uh, right, and Marcy. right. But she was so affected by that, and that was something she did get involved in. So for the future, and I know it was reflecting her previous life or her, her childhood, but at the same time, that absolutely consumed her so much and really upset her so much. She isn't she isn't okay to do that job because if that affected her that much, and going forward, how many other thing, how many other situations would affect her that much? I, th- I think she would be up to. When I was watching it, because obviously they have a fight and it leads her to call off the engagement, but also at the same time, she's sought comfort in drink, which is what she's done for a long time. And she ends up passing out. It's the busiest night since 1957. They deliver 10 (laughs) babies between them. Um, And she misses it because she's passed out drunk. Barbara tries to cover it up because she has to then go out and deliver a set while Bless Barbara for hiding mm-hmm. the uh, hiding the bottle, the bottle as well and the glass. Sorry, mm-hmm. carry on. But what le- part when I was watching it, I was thinking: Would if she had didn't have the alcohol problem, would she have still called off the engagement? Obviously, they had a fight, and in the spur of the moment. But would it have worked out if she hadn't had the alcohol problem? Well, That's I think the ho- the alcohol problem is surely because of something deeper, isn't it? Do we think? I think I think the alcoholism is secondary to the calling off of the engagement. But it's because because Tom and her never seem to really confront the alcoholism in the two of them. I mean, Trixie doesn't seem to drink but, around him at all. I mean, she no, I don't think he's even him. aware of it. No. Yeah, I I think it would have become a problem if they had gotten married. And actually just to fast forward a little bit so like you said Tr- Trixie misses this whole night of work which is a really big deal sister Julianne realizes that she's missed the night of work because she had asked Barbara to send Trixie out when it, the third baby is being born and Barbara goes and delivers the third baby instead which is the Robin's baby and then um, well, also the sister Monica Joan baby that was lo- knocking at the door oh which which we have to talk about in, after yeah. this but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But so anyway, so as they're kind of tallying up all the babies being born, Phyllis is like, oh, wait, did I forget, like, Nurse Franklin? Like, why is she not on here? And and Sister Julianne, realizing, says, oh, she was a bit under the weather. Like, let's not worry about it. Well, then Trixie, you know, comes to Sister Julianne in her office and very contrite, very abashed, says, you know, oh, I I just can't believe this. Like, I feel really bad. My relationship's falling apart. Like, I just turned to alcohol and that was such a big mistake. And, I, you know, I feel terrible about it. And Sister Julianne, completely fairly, because I don't think, we still at this moment everyone around her really understands kind of what's going on says you know listen like we all have those moments where we kind of you know do something we wish we didn't and you know make a make a mistake and everything and that's okay um she was so wise again as oh yeah but she Mm -hmm. but she says to Trixie you know because Trixie's like well I just don't think I can you know like 
I don't know what to do. Like, I don't want to break up with Tom, but I'm not sure, you know, da, da, da. And Sister Julian says, you know, you can't, or she says, you know, she's like, I don't think it's a good idea to begin a marriage with a secret, you know, like you can't, you can't deceive the person that you're entering into life with. And so, you know, you have to be honest with yourself and with him about this. And, you know, I don't think she ends up telling him about the drinking. I mean, their relationship is over for many other reasons, but that to me was such a wise line. And like, again, like beautiful counsel from Sister Julian as always. As but always. also Trixie, Trixie does say that she spent so many years with her father not admitting that he had a problem. So really it, it's mm-hmm. running the family. But she's yeah. not admitting she has a problem either. And that's the that's the sad part. I think. But she is facing up to it now. Mm, yes, but as we all know. Um, just to go mm. back to Barbara, my favourite subject. Um, I would have defended <laughs> her even if she'd have whacked her in the face with the bottle, to be honest with you. <laughs> But um, the poor Barbara, so Barbara hid it, went out knackered to Mr. Yeah. Robbins, and then she was shouting at Mr. Robbins, who do you think you are? Look at that. <laughs> anyway, like delirious with tiredness. Um, but then, Just like you right now, Al. Yeah, but yeah. But then poor Barbara got in trouble with Sister Julianne for, for covering it up. But, yeah. Yes. Oh, I think that might yeah. have been deleted scene for us. Yeah. Well, Sister Julianne's just like, you're, you're not, I can see why you've done it, but you're not helping the problem. Yeah. Oh, we didn't have that part. Like, yeah, but that's harsh on poor Barbara. Don't you dare have a go at my Bob. <laughs> oh, let's talk about Sister Monica Jones' baby as well while Trixie's out cold. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. So Sister Monica Jones felt really useless in this episode. It's just to prop this storyline up, let's be honest. Um, mm. But also this storyline wasn't just for the Sister Monica Jones. So do you remember in the first bit of the uh, of the episode, Trixie's late? And then Nurse Crane is an absolute cow to Sheila. Um, yeah. Being like, you know, yeah. we need medical staff, we'll deal with that. And she's like, I was a midwife for 10 years. Why is she <laughs> being like this? So obviously, this is just basically to culminate in Sheila delivering a baby. But also, mm. it's nice because the baby um, makes Sister Monica Joan use- feel useful. So Mrs. Bo, who's having the baby, is just awful to Sister Monica Joan at the start when she's talking about heading people in front of kids which yeah fair so <laughs> uh, you know no smoke without fire there cool. well i just love when she walks over she's like they're five years old but lucy's really not a problem yet and she's like, although girls we have met my daughter she, who's obsessed with death she'd be well into this storyline <laughs> alex has got the most spooky little kiddo <laughs> yeah oh, uh, anyway so she's obsessed she's so with sweet. death anyway yeah. um so this this mother who's absolutely berated Sister Monica Joan basically looks looks through her thinks she's you know useless, um turns up at the at the artist's house and Sister Monica Joan in the horrible rain and also why didn't Sister Monica Joan get an umbrella but that's by the back so um she shouts up this is the <laughs> second time that Sister Monica Joan has had to walk the streets in torrential rain yeah just get an umbrella mm-hmm yeah anyway. Um, so she shouts upstairs, Trixie's passed out on vodka or whatever she's had. And yeah. um, so she takes her to the um, maternity home because there's been some green in her waters that are broken. Don't even want to know what that is. That, that's oh, all and, they, gonna did, come and that. they did not touch on that later as far as I went in our episode. And I'm, I'm glad of that. Was, I'm glad I of was, that. I was like, I want to know more, but also don't tell me anymore. Like, let's just like forget that ever happened. But okay. Exactly. Yeah. So It just um, means the baby's pooed. Oh, does it? <laughs> <laughs> oh. anyway but that's bad because then it can lead to infection but yeah, that Maco- is, is that meconium it... yeah look at me um so okay. she I takes mean, it like i've all got this medical knowledge i don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, watch people be like no green means it's infected because of this this and this anyway so she goes to the maternity home sheila's there she's like the doctor's not here but it's only me but let's just do this anyway and then they're like but you've delivered thousands of babies between you both so then she has the baby and she's like, I'm so sorry for underestimating you. I'm going to call the baby. And I think Sheila thought it was going to be her. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, Monica, but not Joan, because that's awful. Um, so <laughs> that's the way she was like. <laughs> but she did say to Sister Monica Joan, like, I really regret, like, I just looked, I looked past you when I first met you. Yeah. 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 Wait, can I just ask a question, though? Because this is something that comes up later in the show as well. Like, Okay, Sheila was a midwife, and then she left to go be with Dr. Turner and, and all that, and that's great. But, uh, like, 
okay, Sheila knows how to deliver a baby. Like, no one, yeah, no, nothing exactly. about her medical expertise was in question, but, like, does she have to maintain a license? Does she have to maintain any kind of, like, credentials, like, any kind of, like, medical, like, authority to be able to do these services? Like, is well, this is this okay now, that she's just kind of willy-nilly? Do, yeah, you've got to do courses and things like that, but I don't know about in those days. Well, I, mean, I, I think it was just misogyny at its finest that once she married, that's it. She's... She's getting... She's he's asked for him. Well, <laughs> Yeah, I mean a real a real step down honestly I mean I just I just but but I did just kind of wonder I was like how did like it I mean because the thing is is Sheila I I don't know I just I don't know why I was like again like stopping to think about professional qualification but like clearly Sheila's like a trained medical like professional obviously I mean even though she's a nun like in her past life she would have had all of the qualifications and like you know education to be able to like provide that service you know and everything but I just wondered, like, did it lapse? Like, did she get it back? Like, I mean, because they never talk about any of that on the show, which would be so boring. But and now I'm being. Boring, I, th- I think it's purely wanna, the yeah, fact that she's married. Admin on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, where's, written where's a note the continuing education classes that like all of us have to go on together? Oh lord. Anyways, um, I wrote a note here as well. Me. So you know that Mrs. Coulter <laughs> telling horror stories to her uh, daughter-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> That is me. It's awful, honestly. It's the worst thing that's ever happened. <laughs> I don't know how the human race has survived. Why is anyone doing this? <laughs> um, Barbara handled her like an absolute, but basically this is just a fan, a stan account for Barbara now, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Well, we're all with you. I mean, Barbara has one of the sweetest spirits oh. of anyone on the show. I mean, she is truly like a, a golden shining light. I mean, she reminds me of one oh. of our friends. I'll say, I'll tell the name offline. But she does remind me of one of our friends. Who? I'll tell you offline. Gonna tell us offline. <laughs> I, I, I can't think of anyone we know that reminds us of Barbara. Can't think of anyone I like that much. <laughs> Other than myself, maybe, but I well, you know. No, I'm excited uh, there's also another scene I really liked, which was Timothy picking up Angela and being like, This Angela is them doing their mushy stuff. You really need to get used to it. <laughs> I know, I know. I'd put that in um I'd put that in my little quote bank for the for the series recap because I thought that was very cute. Because well, Timothy is always keep it like, in, "I probably forget, Jen." Like, let's be honest, me and Becky forget everything, <laughs> so I don't know why you're acting like we'll remember. Oh man! You thought this uh, was the gastroenteritis episode, and uh, oh, I, yeah. Last week. Well, sometimes these like infectious diseases, like they just run together. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, if it's not one thing, it's another. Like, it just it just gets. I'm like, wow! I can't believe it. Also, like. Oh, anyways, that's a, that's a really boring point that I was about to make, but was it about yeah. admin? <laughs> no, it was just. I mean, it was like the thing about the show that just you, like I can never forget is that like all these things that nowadays, like in within the last like very recent period of time, you would start feeling sick and then you'd go to the doctor and it'd be like, oh, okay, well, like yeah, this is serious, but like we're gonna nip it in the bud and like it's still gonna be okay. And like fifty years ago, it would be absolutely a nightmare scenario you know like i mean the dysentery episode was a great was a great example of it i can't think of any time i have heard of anyone that i know of now granted i have the privilege of living in like a first world country like you know we have western medicine we have a lot you know we have access to care i mean there's a lot of things that keep the situation at bay but like to think about dysentery in Britain being such a huge problem in the 1960s and then nowadays in that same country and in the country I live in, it's not, I mean, like, it's just, it's just amazing. Like how, yeah, you've how also got to remember in Bristol, there's like one how... right now, apparently a big dysentery outbreak. I'm joking. But um... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, no, really? No. Uh, but <laughs> you've also got to remember that the NHS was, you had to pay for the doctor a long time before that so people didn't didn't really realize fully about the nhs yet and also you know they weren't trusting of it they didn't really understand about there's a lot of poverty going on so they didn't want to pay for it so well and and we've talked about this in 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 earlier seasons but like just basic sanitation and hygiene was so radically different in pockets of society that existed in that time period and now it's it's very very there was that baby do you remember the one where they had nine kids living in the uh, in the flat and the baby was outside in the in the pram and then its face got bitten by a rat that's what you're dealing with that was yeah that was the lady who had the abortion yeah 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 Yeah. i remember that episode yeah 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 oh i mean it's just it's just i don't know it's just wild like the show just 
just takes you on a journey every single time. But oh, just love it, just love it, love it, love it. Speaking yeah. of loving it, heroes and zeros. Who's first, Becky? My hero is going to be a comment that Trixie made when they were talking about Frank Robbins and the fact that he was desperate for a son. And Trixie said that she was baffled that anyone would think that girls aren't the equal of boys. And I was like, how true. Amen. And also, I really like the comment that um, Patsy made, my other favourite, um, about, I don't think they're the equal of men. I think they're better. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, right back at you. Right back at you, Patsy. So, so true. And then my zero, I think, is going to be... Just the general, the attitude of men in this episode. Yeah, the audacity mm. of men. The audacity mm. of men. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's my zero in everyday life. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jen, me, you or me next? You go You go next. I always have okay. to wait till last to, like, my ramble. My hero, complete antithesis of last week, is uh, Sister Winifred. It was going to be Barbara, just because I love her so much, but it's not. It's going to be Sister Winifred for cha- for really, really, what's the word? Championing her yeah. campaign uh, for the sex workers, for their own sexual health. Um, I just really loved the way she was full gusto. She was missing Compline that night. Um, it's all right, because there's the other three nuns to make up for her, but you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so uh, good on Sister Winifred. I just thought, I just really loved it that she found, she really was passionate about it. It got her teeth into it. I thought that was brilliant. Um, and it wasn't my, an easy cause for her to champion. Like, it wasn't, it didn't sit comfortably. No, but also, do you remember when she went to the brothel at first and they were like, we don't need saving sister? Like, none of them wanted to speak to her, but she still managed to get, she was like, oh, no, I'm a midwife. Uh, so yeah. uh, she was, she, you know, that's not going to be an easy journey for her to Cable Street. It's not going to be easy at all. But the fact that she was really got her teeth into it, I really love that. Um, my zero is uh, Frank Robbins, the big misogynist. Uh, I hate him. Yeah. That's it. Sure, sure. Okay, so my zero is going to be, um, and as I was thinking about this, it's not a zero in that I don't like them or I'm mad at them or anything like that. It's a zero in that I'm, it's it's a sad one. Um, my zero is Trixie and Tom. I just, yeah. I, I just think that these two people, though both wonderful people individually, well-intentioned, loving, all that kind of stuff, just just no just absolutely not I mean they I don't think that they explored what they needed to explore in their courtship to really be making a decision like deciding to get married and their the breakup argument that they had when um you know Tom asked the question about do you really understand what it means to be like a curate's wife or whatever I just thought, oh my God, you two are just not, you're you're like ships passing in the night. You're not understanding each other. You're not getting each other. And then the thing that really broke my heart, and I wrote this in my notes, is that like the first time they have the argument and she runs out when she's wearing that purple dress and she's about to go get drunk, like he runs after her, he like calls after her, but then he runs after her and like grabs her arm and pulls her back and they have a, they have a, you know, like continue the conversation. But then when she gives the engagement ring back, he she walks out and he he runs after her but he just opens the door and stands on the steps and calls her name and she just keeps going and he doesn't run after her then and I just thought that is such like the difference between him making the effort in the first conversation and then just like calling after her like very kind of lamely in the second one I don't know it just they make me sad they're zero I just they're just not right for each other i <sighs> anyway so just yeah zero for sadness there um okay hero now, I I don't know why, I'm not sure, but for whatever reason, the Sister Monica Jones storyline really hit me this week. And when I was watching that, I my heart just really, really, really went out to her a lot. Um, I think aging is really complicated, really, really difficult for all of us. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, do you, like, I can sympathize. I'm, I'm there with Sister Monica Jones. <laughs> yeah, I feel 80, 80 years old, four score and 10, many times. <laughs> Um, but I just, I just think aging is, is, is like for what, for, for, okay, because all of us experience it and to, and to not very often see it like really represented in popular culture. I think this show does do a great job of tackling it. And this week she just really got me because I feel like one of the things that's really sad about 
um, aging is that it, it does lead to a lot of invisibility. I think a lot of people just dismiss you don't even see you when you're older. They don't care about your opinion. They just are like, oh, well, you're from another time. Like you're already just this relic sitting on a shelf. And that's really how she was feeling in this episode. And it, I just felt very, very sympathetic for it. And when she connects with Mrs. I can't remember the lady's name. Help me out here. The lady that names ben. the lady with the baby. Bo, Mrs. Bo. Yeah. And she says, you know, okay, like this is what we're gonna do. And she takes her to the maternity. I mean, she she steps up and she really helps her. And they and those two women have a beautiful moment. And Mrs. Bo acknowledges the fact that she's like, I didn't give you enough credit. I didn't see you when I first, you know, open when you first opened the door. Like I was looking for somebody else, quote, somebody better. And she names her baby after Sister Monica Joan. And I just that was I just love that she did that. And you could tell how much that meant to Sister Monica Joan and how much she was lifted up and affirmed and like reminded of her value and reminded of her history and, and all of that stuff. And um, I, I just so Sister Monica Joan is my hero. And just, you know, giving that storyline, however brief to me, it really made an impact this week. And so. I, sorry, I know I'm always so long-winded, but I just have to go on and on, and I can't help myself. Again, no, no, no but you've expressed it so much better than I did. I was just like, men, men are my favorite. <laughs> oh, what? Well, yeah, but I, I like that as well. Oh, men just suck. I mean, I don't think we have to explain it. Like, end of story. <laughs> we all love that. Apologies to any male them. listeners, but perhaps you should take a long hard look at yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> do the work. Maybe women should unionize. Anyway, that's by the back. So, um, I just wanted to do a shout out really quick before we end. Um, actually, no, I want to talk about adverts first. Actually, please can you listen okay. to them? We're I'm just beating the drum again on this. Uh, we are gonna bring Jen over to the UK. Um, we yes. don't charge for this podcast. All we do is have adverts now. Um, it's gonna be about sixty five years before we get her here. But the plan is get Jen over. I know it's going to be as old as Monica Joan when I get on the plane. Um, But yeah, listen to the adverts, please. Just so, you know, any money that goes into an account so we can get Jen over into this country. That's what we're doing it for. That's what we're doing it for. Now, the other thing I'd like to do, a shout out to Amy Kelland on Twitter, who did a great tweet to us the other day. um, And it says... Why haven't I listened to this before? Walking down the street, laughing my head off and getting some proper weird looks as I have my hood up and no one can see my headphones. Well done, ladies. I applaud you. Thank you so much for the lovely tweet. Yeah, I just want, we've had loads of lovely comments, but that one just stood out to me this week. So I just wanted to say thank you. And I like doing shout outs to people who, you know, say lovely things to us. So thank you so much. Also, as an added bonus to our listeners who do listen to the adverts and get all the way down to this part of the episode... If you make a comment and you would like us to shout it out, just say so. Like, please mention this on the pod. This is how I feel about you girls or the podcast or the show or whatever. Or any questions. Yeah. And we will definitely give you um, a shout out on the show. We promise we will. So if that's something you you would like to be a part of, like, we will definitely include you. Yeah. Love you all. And you're a big part of this. The other thing I wanted to talk about this week, just really weirdly, you two have just heard about this. I'm not going to go into mega detail over this. But last week, it was a Rose Queen episode. <gasps> and I knew absolutely nothing about Rose Queen or anything. I now know that the Rose Queen has to be 12 here. So <laughs> I don't know how old uh, Marie Amos was. But my daughter has just signed up. She is the um, 2023, I won't name the village that I live in, uh, but she is the um, fairy queen. 2023 Beep Rose Queen of the Beep well, area. Well, she's fairy queen because she's five. Oh, the, fairy queen. The Rose okay. Queen's about ten, I think. But um, point being, that's why I did think it was a bit weird that um, Marie was, uh, you know, pregnant and married. Um, they must have changed the way they do things. But uh, but yeah, I this just is thought, this is life imitating art. Hopefully, she won't face the same issues as last week. I'm pretty hopeful <laughs> that her husband won't be gay and leave her heavy pregnant because she is five and. Um, <laughs> Well, she's only got a few months till she won't be heavy pregnant because she's only got a few months till <laughs> the Rose Queen. So she'll be. But you know, but you know, a girl can dream. I mean, there's a, there's a lot more opportunity coming up for her in the future ahead. So you never know. Yeah, I'd love to do a shotgun wedding. My five year old in it. <laughs> let's not. Let's not go. We've already anyway, waited ourselves. Well, now I actually know about this. Yeah. No, I won't. We're not going to do this bit. 
but no, the Rose Queen, um, I knew nothing about it. And now I've sat in a room for an hour and a half. I still don't really know much about it. But all I know is um, that it's usually a lot younger. So there we go. So wait, I'm gonna do are you going to be sewing a banner, Barbara style, in tribute? Yes. And and just to be clear, it's actually called, the one in your town is actually called Rose Queen. Yeah, it's Rose Queen. It's, Ro- it's the gala at Fate, huh. and it's Rose Queen. So there's Rose Queen, who's like the head honcho. <laughs> and then there's like a princess, um, a rose bud, um, a, a fairy queen, and then there's fairy princess and prince. Is, is the rose part of it significant? I mean, I know roses are like a British thing, but I mean, is is it like, is is the rose like something that's going to be... Is it just by in the, like a, just an honorary symbolism, or is it like actually going to be like Rose is going to make a big point of like Rose something? I don't know if I'm honest, Jen. I don't think it's. I, I think, I think we're going to learn a lot about this in the coming weeks. Yeah, I'll Cause tell you. Because see, like, cause see, like oh, we're just one US. week late on the podcast. Weird, huh? Oh, we're just one week late on the podcast. Yeah. Like this time last week, I didn't know anything about it, and that was the episode we were doing on Rose Queens. Which just goes to show. So show next week. Just- we're going to know about um, Muconian births, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I think you're going to say sex work. <laughs> well, maybe I will attend a brothel that looks really that exciting because Jen thinks well, it looks great. Well, apparently just walk into like a nightclub and then, you know, you can have you can have a fun second part of your evening after that. You know what? So. I can't think of anything worse than walking into a nightclub. Oh, right my now. God. The idea of going into a nightclub at this point in my life just, just oh, it sends shivers down my spine. Yeah, one of the most, I used to work at a nightclub and one of the most depressing things is walking in and having the lights on because they are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, remember when we used to say till the end of the night uh, sometimes and they would turn the lights on to get you to leave and then you'd just Ugh. be like, oh my God, you have to... Yeah, but you were drunk. Sudden, At like... least it was, you were desensitized a bit oh, to it. If you're working know, there, you're sober. But... Oh, I know. But like having to confront all your choices at like two o'clock in the morning is just a bad... It's just a bad... It's just bad. That's all. Anyway, on that note, uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we will be watching <laughs> Series 4, Episode 5. So if you want to watch and then listen along with us, that would be great. We won't talk so much about Pride and Prejudice and Nine Clubs next week. We probably will talk about well, Rose Queens. I don't know. If you're lucky, we will, though. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, give us a lovely subscribe. Uh, subscribe. Yeah, follow us and subscribe to our podcast so you get it automatically. Do that on YouTube as well. Follow our channel. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. Just send us your questions. Send us feedback, not nasty ones. But, you know, you, you're getting this for free. If you're going to say something nasty, just write it down and throw it in the bin. Uh, but... <laughs> just think it, but don't say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to spread toxic horribleness in the world, do we? We don't, you know, just like misogyny. Anyway, uh, right, thank you so much for listening. We've gone on again. We can never end. It's always like this for hours, and I'm there trying to edit it at the end. <laughs> well, you're, you're the only one speaking, so you can edit it how you like. But I'll just keep me in because, you know, I've got the best, best, greatest voice. Don't sound like a cartoon character. Anyway. Okay, bye. Thank See you, you so week. much for listening. See you next week. A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM. For a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM.